Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Bible in Order, where we are chronologically going through the entire Bible in one year. Today's reading for August 30th is Ezekiel chapters 13 through 15. We know that Israel was a theocracy. God was their government. It was provided by God. It was not a democracy. It was not a constitutional republic like the United States is. No, it was a theocracy. And so the church and the state were the same. The leaders of the people were the priests and the king, both of which were appointed by God and had a charge given them by God. And as we know, they didn't always walk it out very well. Now we're coming to this time that's like the bottom of the barrel in regard to the leadership. And I mean that in a bad way. They're, you're scraping the bottom of the leadership. In the who's who's of worst leaders, these people today from 2,600 years ago were the worst. Some might say like our leaders today specifically in the United States, the worst of all time, perhaps. In chapter 13, the false prophets are condemned. Ezekiel charges them by the word of God. You see a false vision and you speak a lying divination when you proclaimed, this is Yahweh's declaration, or this is what Yahweh says or declares. Even though I had not spoken, Yahweh says. This is witchcraft, friends. Divination and witchcraft, it's spell casting. It's saying things and expecting them to be true by your own might or by the way you say them or your vocal inflection or if you can muster up enough faith. Because biblical faith true faith in God is understanding who he is and becoming aligned with his heart and then speaking forth that which should be that which is aligned with God's heart or being so closely aligned with God and having your spiritual ears tuned so to God's heart that when he wants something you feel it when he speaks something you say it a priest or a prophet who does not have God's heart is no priest or prophet no they're a witch they're a sorcerer they're a magician true prophets and priests are intermediaries. They're relaying God's heart. They're bringing the people to God. Those people, those leaders back then, during this time at the beginning of the Babylonian exile, they were not bringing people to God. They were pushing people away from God. They were leading people away from God because of their selfishness. And they were warned by name Witchcraft is casting spells. It's speaking from your own imagination and then ascribing it to God. 
in verse 15, it says, actually it's 19, you profane among my people for handfuls of barley and scraps of bread. You put those to death who should not die and spare those who should not live. Doesn't that sound like our government today? Putting people in jail for speaking the truth, stripping their businesses from them when they speak the truth. But we have jokes about politicians. How do you know when a politician is lying? It's when their lips are moving. And we promote them to the highest offices in the land, even though we don't trust them. It was the same in Israel 2,700 years ago. May God have mercy on us that we don't have the same fate handed to us. 70 years of conquest. These people, God says, I will free the people that have been ensnared like birds by these false prophets, by these false teachers by these wicked leaders. They will be exposed. God says in verse 22, because you have disheartened the righteous, you have supported or given strength to the hand of the wicked. God says, I will rescue my people from their hands. God, rescue us from the hands of the wicked. Take the power and authority of the government of the United States of America and all the world governments. Take it from the wicked and give it to the righteous. God, I pray for a restoration in the world. In chapter 14, the word of Yahweh came to me, Ezekiel, saying, Son of man, these men have set up idols in their hearts and have put up their their sinful stumbling blocks in front of themselves, should I actually let them inquire of me? In other words, should I actually listen to their prayer? Should I encourage them to come and pray to me, God says? Yahweh says, I will answer him appropriately. I will answer him according to his many idols so that I may take hold of the house of Israel by their hearts. They are all estranged from me because of their idols. In other words, God says, they want their idols, they shall have them. They shall have them. We all get what we really want. Christians today, and for the past 40 or 50 years, have been so focused on heaven. Accept Jesus so you can go to heaven. Yet people, many even, who would make a proclamation or a profession of faith saying, yes, I believe that Jesus is my Savior, they don't really want anything to do with him. They just don't want to go to hell. And I believe God would say, friend, if you don't want me now, you won't want me after you die either. If you don't want a relationship with God now, what makes you think you're going to want to go to heaven where God is? It doesn't sound like a very kind and loving, gracious God to give you what you do not want for all of eternity. But it's interesting 
how God turned them away because of their sin, I won't answer your prayer, he says rhetorically. There is power in prayer, but only for the righteous. There's only one prayer that the unrighteous can pray, and that is, God, have mercy on me. I am a sinner. Please change me. Please come. God, I don't deserve it, but forgive me. Take me out of this miry pit and place me in a place of relationship with you. God, I don't deserve it, and I recognize that. I deserve your punishment, Father, but please have mercy on me. That is the only prayer that will turn the heart of God. And when you pray that prayer, you get the righteousness of Christ. If it's really meant, if you really want to be changed, he will change you because he's so merciful in that way. Down in verse 10, chapter 14, verse 10, they will bear their punishment. The punishment of the one who inquires will be the same as that of the prophet. The one who inquires of the prophet, who knows it's a false prophet, will bear the same penalty as the one who is the prophet, who is not a true prophet. Be careful what you ask for. Don't be the type of believer who says, God, send me somebody who will tell me what I want to hear. No, friends, we need to listen to people who will tell us what we most do not like to hear. The kindest truth is the one no one has the courage to share, but we need the truth. And then there are four devastating judgments that are sent against the believers, against the children of God who are living in sin. It's famine, not having enough. It's dangerous animals, which not having safety. I can't go outside. There's a lion in the street. A sword, I believe, represents an invading army from another nation. And then the plague, like hail from the sky, like the river turning to blood. But all of which are to make us so uncomfortable that we turn to God, that we repent, that we soften our hearts. May we not be like Pharaoh who hardened his heart. May we be humble before him. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. God, give us grace. I'm not humble enough, Lord God. Make me more humble. And then in chapter 15... We have this picture of a vine, a useless vine that bears no fruit. You can't even make anything with the wood. Diametrically opposed to the vine that Jesus spoke of in John 15, where he said, the one who abides in me will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. But live in me, abide in me, and you will bear much fruit. My friends, we all get to choose what kind of vine we will be. One thing remains, we will all be some sort of a vine. In Ezekiel 15, the vine is 
fruitless and is thrown into the fire. In John 15, the vine bears fruit and it is pruned. It is disciplined. It has branches cut off. It's trimmed in order to bear more fruit. And so in both pictures, we see vines that are going through some unpleasant times, some pruning, some disciplining, some burning. We will all suffer discomfort in this life. Which kind do you want? The kind to help you produce more fruit? Choose wisely. And God, give me grace that I might choose wisely as well. Help us, Father. Help us to choose wisely for your glory and for the advancement of your kingdom in our lives and in our cities, in our homes and in our states, in our nations and in this world. Let your will be done here as it is in heaven. God bless you, my friends. Thank you for being on this journey with me. We'll see you tomorrow.